Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Come on, My City Church. It's a good day to be in the house of God. Come on, I hear you guys worshiping. I hear you guys here. And uh, I believe that heaven hears you. I believe uh, Omaha hears you right now. And uh, man, it's going to be a beautiful day. Hey, I want to take a quick moment to introduce myself. My name is Pastor Eric. My wife and I, we're executive pastors here at My City Church. And uh, we, uh, it's all for you, babe. Um, uh, I'll get enough applause later um, because I'm so handsome. Um, and that's just worth applauding. I'm like Gaston when I walk down the street, you know, people, who is that man? Uh, anyways, uh, I just went and saw Hamilton like two days ago, so I'm, pretty, I'm feeling pretty musical right now. I, I can't rap. I'm too white, Tyler. Um, I, I can't do it, but but I can I can do the show tune. Um, I can try to do the show tune. But uh, hey, I'm, I'm so excited. I want to take a, just even just a quick moment. Just kind of, I think sometimes you see pastors here on stage and you're like, what do they even do? Um, and and uh, I know I do that. I go to churches and I'm like, what are you getting paid for? Um, uh, and I, I do want to let you know that for everybody in this room, like, here's my one job, and it's that you feel welcome. And not only that, you feel that somebody is waiting for you. Somebody's excited to see you. And there, there's a, a whole group of people here that have, have labored, and, and I mean that. They have labored hours and hours to, to really make you feel like this place feels like home. And, and uh, I just I want to take a quick moment and just give them a round of applause and celebrate them. Can we give it up for everybody that makes this place feel like home? Come on. Some amazing people that we have in this church. And because of that, I personally want to send you guys an invite. If you, uh, maybe this is your first time or you've been coming to my city for a little while, maybe even serve on team, and, and it doesn't feel like home yet, I want to invite you to what's called our next class. November 14th, our My City headquarters building, our HQ, at 5 p.m. And uh, from there, I, I want you to meet some of my friends who want to help you find what, and answer any questions that you have about this church. But to be honest, I, we have a little bit of an agenda in that class. And you're like, church has an agenda? Great. I do. The agenda is not just so that you can ask questions about us, but we can ask questions about you. How can you serve the church? How can you fill, fulfill God's mission on this earth? And so I'm excited for that. Well, I, I want to jump right into our message. You guys ready today? Uh, I believe that there's, a, there's something in the air, there's something in it today that I, I'm ready to tap into a little bit of passion. And, and, and you know what? If you need to today, you can borrow some of mine because I'm excited. And I believe God's going to bring something. And there, there's a powerful word here. And so, church, I, we are a feedback culture. So I need some help from the back row to the front row. Let me know that you're here. So, guys, are you ready today? No, 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 no. I need Taco Bell down the street to here. Are you guys ready today? There we come. There we come. In the mid to late 1800s, an odd phenomenon begins occurring across the country. See, in this time, there's an epidemic of a disease called cholera, and it's nicknamed the Blue Death. It's a, it's a deadly disease, and in this time, you got to think the world is it has not 
really figured out medical science in any form whatsoever. So people are dying. In 20 years alone in India, 8 million people have died. In America, in three years, 150,000 people. And this doesn't sound, I mean, it's big numbers, but it doesn't sound like big numbers when you compare it to our world right now has 7.5 billion people in it. Back then, it only had 1.2. The effects are everywhere. Homes are empty. Families are gone. Entire generations cut off. And this is the world that we're living in in the 1800s. And, and at this time, things are happening in cholera. Here's what it would do is you would get it. And the, the signs that you would have it was you would start kind of getting like muscle cramps. Anybody hypochondriac in here? I'm about to freak you out. Like, it's flu season. I feel all of these things, Pastor. You get muscle cramps and you get dehydrated. It's called the blue death because what it would do is it would suck the life out of you. Your eyes would become sunken in and your skin would turn a bluish gray. And you'd find yourself really not being able to do anything because your blood pressure is so low. And you're cramping and you're laying in your home or in a hospital bed if you're lucky. And it's at that time you would die. This is difficult. This is a horrible world that we're living in. We don't know what to do about it. And what makes this even more difficult is that one of the effects of cholera is that you would go into a coma for a few people. Rare enough, but frequent enough that it would happen. And because again, the medical science isn't exactly where it is today, we didn't know. We didn't know how to distinguish comas versus death. And so the moment that you would walk into a hospital or you'd be laying in your bed and you bring a doctor, a lot of the times in this time period, the doctor was both physician and gravekeeper. And he would measure you for the coffin that you would be leaving in. They didn't have time, Pastor Adam. They didn't have time to let dead bodies sit in empty rooms. There was a disease. I don't want you to blame them, but what they would do is they would take people that they thought were dead and they'd pick them up, put them into a coffin, and send them to their final resting place. And the only hope for the few people that woke up underground is that the ground would just be warm enough that sound could pass through it. That they weren't buried just deep enough that they could, someone could get to them in time. That the world around would be just quiet enough that somebody could hear them. And that anybody, somebody could hear them crying out. Let me out of here. Today, I want to speak from this mysterious topic, buried alive. Let's pray. God, we bring this message to you. God, I pray that you, you speak the message that you laid on my heart so long ago. That God, that we don't leave this place and we don't feel the spirit of fear, but God, we know that these things that are buried, these things in our old life, Lord God, you have a new promise for them. So God, today we commit ourselves to you. We're here with open hearts, listening ears, and head clear, ready to hear your word. We love you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, now that I brought it down a note, um, you don't talk about death and then suddenly make it funny, but can you imagine um, uh, people banging on coffins in the middle of cemeteries? Not a great sign. Um, I mean, if you're religious, you're like, the second coming. Um, and if you're not religious, it's still not good. Um, 
still not a super positive thing that's happening in this world. I mean, can you imagine you're, you're going to, like, you're kind of going to see a friend all of a sudden, like, what the? <laughs> Shoot, I almost just swore in church. Um, <laughs> I need some prayer. Um, I, oh, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've, I've, never, um, I've never co-preached before. Uh, this is my first time, and so I, I want to introduce you guys to a friend of mine. Um, I, and do you guys want to meet him? Um, I feel like Jeff Dunham, like I got a puppet. Um, uh, this is Steve. Thanks, Steve. Um, <laughs> um, Steve is an old friend of mine. Um, uh, Steve was a friend of mine. I, I know, he's a little sarcastic. Um, uh, and Steve was a friend of mine when I, I didn't really feel like I had a friend. Uh, and there was a season of my life where, where I didn't have anybody. It was, it was 2009, um, those long years ago. Some of you in this room are like, I wasn't even born. Um, and it makes me feel old. And some of you are like, I've been born for a while. Um, and you are old. And it's okay. Old is good. It means wisdom. <laughs> we need more of that in this world. We got a lot of people, a lot of young people making decisions without wisdom. Um, and, and so we... we we go way back, and Steve was in my life when, when I, I really, I was lonely, and I, I just, I was young, I just wanted to be in a relationship. I thought that was a cure to loneliness. I mean, I know now that that's not true, but like then, like, I mean, forgive me, guys, come on. Uh, then I thought that that would be the answer, and so, but Steve was there to encourage me. He's like, hey, you should, you should start dating somebody. You should meet somebody, and I'd argue with Steve, and I'd be like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm just not healthy. I'm not really in like a good place. And he's like, listen, Eric, you can't be perfect, all right? Perfect people don't exist, and especially perfect people in relationships. What do you, you're gonna wait? How long are you gonna wait to get in a relationship? You're, you'll figure it out as you get in. I was like, Steve, you know what? You're right. Thanks, Steve. And then when I was, uh, we were in like a friend group and I met this girl um, and, and Steve was there to help me ignore the signs of like dependency that she had. Uh, and the, and the, the signs of, like, male approval that, that she needed from me. Uh, and, and I was just like, oh, that's the, I don't know if I can live up to that. And he's like, bro, she likes you. You're not really a catch. Steve. Uh, this guy. And, and then whenever I was in the relationship with this woman, there were so many times that we just should have broken it off. Steve was also there to encourage me to stay in the relationship. He would say things like, hey, Eric, it's better to be hurt together than single and lonely. Uh, by the way, I hope you're catching up on this. He's not real. Um, I'm not psychotic, I promise. A little bit. I think in order to be a preacher, you might have to be a little bit, right, Pastor Eli? There's, uh, Steve's not real, but around this time, I had an actual friend, a mentor in my life that I would meet with. And I'm like, man, just all these things are going wrong, and I feel like, I feel like I'm doing the right things, but I just don't know what I'm doing. And, and I would say things like, I'm depressed. And I wasn't saying it like it was an emotion. I was saying it like it was a personality trait. Like, I, I saw everything in life through this lens of depression. So whether it was, like, my relationships, it was, like, it was, it was kind of like, you know, it might work out. Or what, I'm not going to get anything better than this. And it was only, it, it put in a lack mentality in me. It put in a desperation in me. It put in a, a hopelessness in me at the same time. And, and my, my mentor, my friend at this time, he was saying, Eric, you can't identify with this. You weren't created this way. And that was, it was a shift, and I hope that shifts something in your brain right now. Did you know you weren't created with depression? 
That wasn't the intent. No, please hear me. I'm not denying science. There is genetic predispositions, but that was given to you, not created on you. God didn't say, let there be man and let him be depressed. That didn't happen. And any other thing you could put in your life, he said, let there be man. I created him in my image. And God is not a God of depression. So if he made you in his image, then that is not a thing that you're supposed to carry. And it made sense to me for the first time. And the way, because again, I might be a little psychotic. I had to separate it from my identity. So Steve was born. And so I'd wake up in the morning and this wasn't a night and day change. I'd wake up in the morning, and I just couldn't get out of bed. And I'd text my friend, and I'd be like, Steve won't let me out of bed. And he knew exactly what that meant. And he knew exactly what to pray for. And he played along in the journey with me, and I needed that at that season. Maybe you, got, you guys need a friend like that. You need to get in a group of people that are going to know you. They're going to know your story. They're going to be with you on that journey. And I needed someone on that journey to go, hey, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying that Steve leaves your house right now. And I could get out of bed. And I, I don't know how to explain it. There's so many things in this Christian journey I wish I could reason my way through, but I can't explain it. It just happened. And then I could jump out of bed. I can get through the day. And then I get to lunch, and I just wouldn't want to eat lunch. And then I text my friend, Steve's not letting me eat lunch. And he texts me, God, I pray for stomachs that need sustenance. I pray that a hunger comes back into your servant, Eric. And suddenly I wanted my dinner again. I wanted my lunch again. And I wanted it again. And I needed some prayer. And finally, I couldn't have someone else prayed off me all the time. Someday in 2010, I remember this day. We've had these days all across the church life here over the last four years. This one day that I decided I need to get rid of Steve in my life. And one day in 2010, I buried Steve in the ground. I hope some of you have had this experience. I hope some of you, and I want to remind you of that time, that old life that you had, that thing that stood there and it weighed on you and you identified with it and it was your thing and someday you said, God, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to bury it. I love this in Ephesians 2. Come on. I love this. As for you, you were dead. Anybody got their Bibles with them? Come on, pull it out. Get Ephesians 2 out right now. I want you to highlight that word. I want you to underline that word. I want you to circle that word. I want it to be so bold that every time you flip through Ephesians, it's going to bring it out in your head. As for you, as for you, my city church, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rule of the kingdom of the air. He's talking about the devil right now. He's talking about how there, there is a work in the spiritual realm that is against you right now. And as long as you partnered with it in your sin, you let him rule. But you also let yourself die. The spirit who is now in work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. Man, I love Paul. Paul's a preacher of the church. He's saying, listen, you can get all high and mighty that you're not in the grave anymore. But you need to remember everyone else is. You used to be like them. But you're not anymore. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But if you got your Bible out, I want you to highlight, underline, circle, make that one bold. But when the Bible says but, 
When the Bible gives you another option, when the Bible does that, you need to follow this to the letter of the law. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us what? Made us what? Made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. I buried that body in the ground. And I was saved. Pastor Eli, I was saved. I never forget that moment. I hope you never forget that moment. Because when we forget that, man, dead bodies start letting us know that they're not dead. See, here's the problem. I buried Steve in 2010, but I didn't let him die. See, for Steve, I made a nice little safety coffin. What's a safety coffin? I'm glad you asked. Good, good question. A safety coffin in this time, in this epidemic, as people are being buried alive, they realize that that's not a good thing. Um, again, too many people almost swearing in cemeteries. Um, and and, and not, it's not a great problem to have. And so because we're humans and we're smart, but we're also dumb, we created a device not to tell us if someone died. We created a device to tell us if someone was alive. And so we created what's called a safety coffin, which is on a tombstone like this, it would put a bell and it would have a string that would run down to the coffin so that if someone were to revive, it would ring. I'm alive down here. Come get me. Come get me. See, we all have these bells in our life. We all do. It's our old bodies, it's our old selves, it's everything that comes and reminds us, hey, we're here again. I, I feel like there's somebody in this room, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, leave me alone, I want to go home, I got McDonald's after this, I still got to mourn the loss of the Cornhuskers. And, and uh, let me convince you real quick, and I just want to give you a few examples that you have some bells in your life that are ringing. How about this one, you end up dating the same guy or girl over and over again. Uh, this might actually be the same person or the same type of person. I mean, man, I, had, I swore I had $20 in my purse. I don't know where it came from. Girl, you're dating a guy who's stealing from you. I don't know. I just, I just never seem to get it right. Never pick the right one. Is it me? Yes. How about this one? You can only hold a job for a year. You're not satisfied with the work that your hands are doing. How about this? You're looking at someone else's life online, or you're looking at porn, and you go, wait, two, they're the same thing. We go, look at those porn addicts. Aren't they perverts? Look at you looking at someone else's life wishing you had it. You're quick to rage, disappointment. Maybe you're like me. You're sad and lonely. And you could be in a room full of people, and you still feel empty. These are the bells in our lives. Proverbs 26, 11 puts it this way. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Gross. It's saying we go back to our old patterns. We keep repeating the same thing. Einstein says that crazy is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And I get it, the control feels good. At least I know where it is. 
At least I knew where I last vomited. But the wisdom says of the Bible, the wisdom of the Bible says that going back to your old life that you laid to rest is like going to purge food and eating it and going, man, I hope this fills me back up. I hope it gives me a new life. I hope it gives me energy. What? I need you to hear it in these gross terms because this is us returning to sin time and time again. Pastor Claude, I think there's two reasons why we keep going back to dead bodies. One, and we, we hear the ring, I, I think it's that we hope it's actually dead. I, I think that's the most positive of this. Is you go, listen, I buried Steve in the ground, and I did the work of salvation, which was God, I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are Lord, and I am saved. And I did the work, and if that bell should ring again, that's not a safety coffin bell. That's a bell for a boxing ring. I'm ready to go to fight. I'm ready to go to war against this thing. Steve, if you ring that bell, good luck. Because I'm ready to punch you in the face again. Like, I think that's, that, that's the most positive that we can do. But if I were to be really honest, and if we can all be really honest with ourselves in this room, I'll be the first to raise my hand at this, is that I actually hope that the body's not dead. Hey, Steve, calm down. We hope it comes back. Maybe there's a reason it's alive. Pastor, it was just a season of my life. You see, I was weak then. And now I've been going to church for three years. I'm in a group. Man, I'm, I'm leading a group. I think I can let that person back in my life now. No, no, I, I think I can go back to that job. No, I think I can do that thing again. I can, I can, I can incorporate that behavior back in my life because I'm, I'm a little stronger now. I mean, was it really that bad? You ever, you ever hear people talk about the good old days? And they always miss the bad parts of the good old days? You ever notice how cemeteries don't have natural flowers growing? And we got to bring flowers in order to make it look nice. No, no, look how nice my, my tomb is. No, no, it, it wasn't that bad. Here's what I found. Dead bodies make bad fertilizer. Steve. Let me out of here. Steve, stop. Dead bodies make bad fertilizer. Because there's, there's so many things in our lives that we're expecting that good things are going to grow from bad things. That we're expecting, no, 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 maybe it's a different season, so it will, it'll have new life to it. And, and this will be like Phoenix rising from the ashes, Pastor. And this will be a good thing in my life. I've never seen a flower growing from a tombstone. But I've seen a lot of people decorate it. I want to relieve a little bit of pressure from you. Because I think there could be a message in this that you can hear me saying, this is all your fault. I, I want to be honest with what the Bible says, that this isn't just a you problem, this is a sin problem. Because you could be doing the right thing. You could be on the right track. You could be serving, tithing, and praying. You could be doing everything that you know the discipleship journey is and what you're supposed to be doing. And that little bell, that little bell, Steve, stop it. That little bell will start ringing every time that you're on the right track. Every time you're about to make a good point. Every time that things are about to go right, it starts getting in the way. So let's take flowers off of tombstones. Let's get real. Seven years after burying Steve, 
I'm four years into marriage. I got a three-year-old boy. I'm working a good job. My wife's working a good job. We're building influence in our community. Stuff that God put on our heart to be not just in the church world, but in the, the arts and entertainment world all over Omaha. We wanted to be a voice and an influence. We would walk down streets and in venues, and people would come up to us and talk to us and ask our opinions. And it was, it was crazy. We were way too young to feel that kind of pressure. Um, but it was, it, was, it was exactly, everything was doing exactly what it was supposed to be. We were building a family. We were thinking, God, like, we got a three-year-old boy. He's amazing. Can we, let's, God, let's add another. Let's do this. In a three-month period of time, in a three-month period of time, the church that I'm pastoring at closes its doors. My grandma passes away, who's a strong woman of faith in my life. We miscarry a baby. And that bell seems to be ringing louder. Steve's saying, hey, come back to me. I can comfort you. Remember what that feeling of control was like? Remember what it was, what it was? And, and I'm sitting in church just like you. And I'm sitting in these seats and, and I'm hearing pastors preach messages of hope and best messages of, of you can do this and the, and the life is worth changing. And I'm hearing them read messages and verses like Philippians 4, 6 here. And it says, do not be anxious about it. Steve, stop, please. Be in every situation by prayer and petition. With Steve, I need you to stop. I'm trying to read a verse right now. Present your request to God in the peace of God. Which, Steve, I need you to stop. ringing and I'm losing control and I'm tired and I'm fed up and I can't listen to another pastor tell me there's hope and I read a verse just like you did and I can't finish it I don't believe it so I begin to cope I begin to dig Steve up So I began to control what I can't control. It was my exercise and dieting. At least I can, I can look happy on the outside. If I look good, if, I, if everyone else around me doesn't see how broken I am on the inside, and no one will question me, no one will address me, no one will know that I'm carrying a dead body on my back anymore. No one will ask me about the life that I just dug up again. And so I start dieting and exercising, but I develop an eating disorder. And that bell starts ringing louder. And people are looking at me and saying, Eric, you're so healthy. But what I know is I've eaten 800 calories and four meals across two days. And I only ate those meals so people wouldn't ask me about it. And that bell is getting louder and louder. And I'm walking around church and life and work and the only person who can call me on my crap is my wife. And everyone else is saying, Eric, you look so healthy. You look great. You look strong. You look put together. Man, I've never seen you more passionate in your prayer. And on the inside, Steve is saying, now they like you. Now that you listened to me, now that you came back to me, you gave up on that Christian thing. 
It was all fake anyways. You see, you're doing all the right things and people think you're a Christian. It's clearly fake. And that bell is ringing and it's getting me. I need you to know, church, I wasn't happier, I was dying. I was dying and I was tired of dying. You're not happy in your sin. You're dying. I know, I know, I'm sorry. I really am. I hate this because I think ignorance is bliss. I think if you didn't know you were dying, you'd just go through life. But you came to my city church. And I'll be honest, I'm done preaching messages of how to hide things in your life but not let things die. I'm tired of preaching messages of redemption without sanctification, of hope without discipleship, of prosperity without gospel. death without burial. Here's the reality, church. The bell's going to ring. What are you going to do about it? I think there's three things. You could befriend it. That's what I did. This is mine now. Steve's my friend. Here's the other one. I think you can fight it. I think you can come to church week after week. You can go to group. You can do the good work. You can meet with a counselor and a therapist. You can, you can go and do the right things, and you can fight this. It doesn't have to be your identity. And get ready for a fight. It's going to be a long time, but it's worth it. And it's a good fight to fight. It's not the fights that the rest of the world fights. It's the one that you're fighting. It's the thing that separates church from self-help. You can't self-help your way to a healing. Here's a third option. You can cut the bell. You can just be done. But Pastor Eric, you just said an entire like 20-minute message saying that, that it's all about the struggle, it's all about the fight. Yeah, because I didn't have anybody to tell me. You can just cut the bell. You don't believe me. I knew you wouldn't, so I put a verse together. Romans 6. From now on, October 31st, 2021, at my city church in the Ralston Arena. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language. It means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. And that's what Jesus did. I don't think there's enough people with me in this. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. You don't give it the time of day. You don't even run the layers that are connected with the old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time, not part-time, not on Sundays, not on group days, full-time. And remember, you've been raised from the dead doing the way of God things. Sin can't tell you how to live. There's somebody in this world today, somebody in this church today, you need to know that sin doesn't hold anything on you. Man, you gotta let it die. You gotta let it die. You gotta cut the bell. You gotta be done. You gotta let it go. 
you got to want it. So as the band comes up here today, I want to make some space in this area right here. We call it an altar. It's because you, where you lay down things that are going to die. I want to make some room for bell cutters in this room. Are you done hiding and fighting? Are you ready for freedom today? So if everyone stand to your feet with me. If you want to change, if you heard the message today and it rang true to you, and you're saying, I'm hearing bells, Pastor Eric. I'm hearing it ringing louder and louder and louder every single day. I'm done. I'm done with the depression, the anxiety, the pain, and the sorrow. I want you to come forward and come pray at the altar and worship your way through it. Here's what I've seen in the Bible. Every time somebody wants a miraculous healing in their life, Jesus doesn't go to them. They come to Jesus. So I can come to you. And I can see you highlighted right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can see you right now. Thank you. I can see it right now. But it's got to be something that you want to change. And you're saying, I'm done. Pastors, if you would, I want you to come pray. If you need it, I want you to pray for yourself. But the worship team's going to sing. And we're going to sing like God's going to do it again. Like he's going to change something in your life. Like this is the day from now on. Sin speaks a dead language in your life. Daniel, from now on, sin speaks a dead language in your life. No more of that stuff. You don't need to look at it anymore. You don't need to see it anymore. It's broken right now in the name of Jesus. Allie, right now, the name of Jesus is breaking off of you. It's released. It is, there is a promise. There is a future in your life. It is coming right now. Right now. Right now. Come on, worship team. Right now. Right now. Go. Go. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.